0: Bibles to Hebrews chapter number one, Hebrews chapter number one, as we dive into our series today, Hebrews chapter number one, Hebrews one, and uh, my voice feels like it's leaving me a little bit, but last night I preached somewhere, and I kind of had to be loud where I preached last night, preached once this morning, I preached now, and then one more time tonight, and so... My voice, we'll pray it makes it through. But we're starting the book of Hebrews. As I mentioned to you last week, as we looked at the beginning of this book and got some thoughts, the book of Hebrews was written to believers. Now, something that's interesting to me is the fact because the author here says, we and us, let us move. And so he refers to himself with them. So I do believe that the book of Hebrews is written to believers. The interesting thing is that the writer of Hebrews is trying to convince to the writer, to the audience, that Jesus is better than anyone else. Now, you might look and say, well, as believers, we know that Jesus is better than anything else. That is true. But there are times in our lives where we maybe backslide and maybe aren't well, and sometimes we get off. I believe the believers in Hebrews in this book, they got off a little bit. And that's where, remember how in the middle of the book, it says, let's move on to perfect that spiritual maturity. We need to move forward because Christ is better than anything else you could ever have in life. It's where that song just a few minutes ago, so long I search for life's meaning. Do you remember the day you found Jesus? Actually, let's rephrase that. Do you remember the day Jesus found you? You remember the day Jesus found you? I remember the day. The problem is... And remember when you first got saved, how exciting it was, and how awesome Jesus was, and how wonderful it was? And then a little bit later, church isn't as exciting as it used to be? Reading your Bible isn't as exciting as it used to be? And I believe there were some Jews here that had trusted Christ and knew Christ, but they were starting to slip back to some of their old routines and their old ways. We look at verse number 1. We're going to read verse 1 through 3, and we'll dive right into the message. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners, in times past ha- under the Father, or let's, let's start over there. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners, spake in time past under the Fathers by the Prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty On high, Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have this morning, that you would guide us and help us. We love you, we need you, we praise you, and we thank you for Jesus and the difference he's made in our lives. And I pray that as we look at this today, that as we leave here, we would realize and be reminded of the fact that whatever this world has to offer, Jesus is better. Whatever religious idea people have in this world, Jesus is better. Jesus is the best and it doesn't get any better than Jesus help us to remember that today in Jesus name I pray amen You're gonna help me here at the beginning now if you get too talky on me Then i'm gonna cut you off. We're just gonna stop this I don't normally on a sunday morning Open up for a little bit of dialogue, but i'm gonna do it this morning just as we begin So in that verse number one We see the fact that god at sundry times in diverse manners Spake unto our unto our fathers talking to the jews there by the prophets Someone give me, and a few of you will get a few of these, give me an Old Testament prophet that you can think of. Ah, you say Habakkuk. You would do that to me. Someone said Isaiah. Isaiah. So the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet during the days of Israel. And Isaiah, there are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. And people would say the Old Testament, that Old Testament book is literally like the whole Bible condensed in one Old Testament book. He talks about things that are going on in that day. He talks about when his cousin Uzziah died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And God used him to pin a lot of great words at different times in Israel's history. He talked about that a virgin would conceive and have a son. And his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah told us that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Isaiah tells us what the world's going to be like during the millennial reign of Christ. There's a lot. So Isaiah, in that time period, he gave us a lot of great things from God. Can someone else give me another prophet? Who? We got Elijah, I heard. We, who, what did we hear back there? Hosea. Hosea is a good one, too. So let's talk about for a minute, which one do we say over here? Elijah. Can anybody tell me something that Elijah did? He brought the dead back to life. That's, that's pretty good, right? He um, prophesied against King Ahab, right? He also got very depressed and really didn't want to live any longer. And then God brought Elisha kind of to help him along the way, and God had him get rest. But Elijah did a lot of great things for God, but he was far from perfect. The prophet Hosea, we could go and we look at Hosea and his life and what a, what a book that is. And to think what he went through to show Israel what God did for them. And that God would put him through those things just to show what he me- what Israel meant to him and the love that God had for Israel. It's in the, and that, that book, it's, it's I think maybe 12 chapters, 10 to 12, somewhere in there. And I could be wrong off the top of my head. It's, the, one of the minor, it's one of the smaller ones. But God spoke through, a great, through his life and through him. Daniel was in Babylon. Daniel was taken captive with the children of Israel and taken to Babylon. And right away, the book of Daniel tells us that Daniel purposed in his heart he wouldn't defile himself. He wasn't going to let that culture of Babylon defile him. What I love about Daniel, you go to chapter number 6, he's about 80 years old at the time. And when the king, when a decree was made that you couldn't pray to anyone but the king, Daniel still did what was right. I love that a teenager was still doing the same things, the right. he had the right convictions that he did as a teenager at 80 years old. That should be what we all strive for, having those same convictions. And Daniel, the, you think about an angel came to him, and remember the princip- different people tried to stop, the principalities tried to stop him. And some of the end times doctrine with the book of Revelation and things were given to Daniel and he pinned those in Babylon for us. Moses. We wouldn't know how the world was created without Moses. Was Moses there when the world was created? No, it was not. But God up on the mountain gave Moses how everything was created. How the patriarchs, how all the lines started. And so God... At sundry times and in diverse manners, spoken to our fathers through the prophets. And the prophets didn't do it on their own. They didn't decide and say, We're going to do this for God. But the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1, verse 21, it says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God moved in them. And it's interesting to me how the Spirit of God could move in them, and yet they still pin the words in their own style. Because the Bible, every book's written in a different way. There's a different way that it's done. And you can tell the author, the style, but the Holy Spirit of God moved. So we look back, and we are grateful for the fact that God gave us the Old Testament through the prophets. One of the things about Judaism and the Jews is, They look back at a lot of that stuff. Moses and his words were very important to them. And you say, well, why? Because of the old covenant. God made a covenant with Israel. And that covenant was important to them. And God gave them the law. God set up things with Israel in a certain way. And God did all these things. The problem is you have these Jews now that had trusted Christ the better way. The better covenant the better hope, and now they're starting to wander back towards that old covenant, and this is the thing, just because you wander around doesn't mean you lose your salvation, because Christ died once for all, forever settled, right? You don't lose your, you can't lose something that you didn't have anything to do with to begin with. A lot of people think we have a lot, you have nothing to do with it, He's the one who justifies. He's the one who predestines. He's the one who does all of it. That's what it talks about in Romans chapter number 8, verse 29 and 30. He does it all. We just put our faith and trust in Him, and guess what? We are dead, so we don't even have the faith. He gives us grace and the faith. He does it all. That's why you can't lose something that you didn't do anything for. And so we have here some Jews that were kind of resorting back. And losing sight of Jesus. And may I just remind you this morning, and my message is very simply Jesus is better. You're going to see over the next several months that Jesus, you say, well, why do I need to be reminded of that? Because we need to. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Isn't that how the song goes? And this world will flash its stuff before us. Man, the other day I was driving down the road, and there was a billboard. The billboard was for a Carl's Jr. hamburger. Now, listen for a second, okay? You say, Pastor, do you love Carl's Jr. hamburgers? They're not my favorite. A Western bacon cheeseburger fresh every once in a while, that's good old time religion. But not when they're like nine, not when they're $9 for one, okay? Back when you get two for four, that's a good deal in my eyes. One for nine bucks. Give me a break. But, anyways, on that billboard, I think it was a famous star they had up there. Maybe even a double famous star. But it's amazing. You look. The bun is perfect. I mean, it's not smashed. It's perfect. It's fluffy. Got like sesame seeds all in the right spot. The bun looks perfect. The hamburger patty literally barely extends past the bun, and it's perfect. Juicy, just right. The cheese on top. They have the cheese, you know how they they have it angled just right? So you have the cheese, the triangles are, it's perfect. The lettuce is plump and it's actually like curled up like it's fresh lettuce. And the tomato is perfectly red. And the onion, yuck, but it's white and it looks like it's right in the right spot there. And there's the perfect amount of ketchup and the perfect amount of mayonnaise and it's perfect. Perfect. You ever go get a burger from there? <laughs> it does not look the way it says. they are like, this is nothing like what the picture says. That's what the world does. The world paints this beautiful picture of how wonderful life without Jesus is. And many Christians get lured in and want more and more of what this world has to offer and they forget where the source of true happiness comes from. You see, when it comes to Jesus, we have a billboard about him too. And he is just like that burger there, perfect. What you read is what you get. It doesn't change. This world will try and feed you its garbage, and this world is always wrong. Christ is better. We look at today, Christ is better than any other religion. Christ is better than being a Baptist this morning. Christ is better than being a Nazarene. Christ is better than Joseph Smith. He's better than Buddha. He's better than Allah. He is better than anyone who has ever been. here. you say, well, why is Jesus so much better? I am glad you asked, because if you didn't, we'd have no message. What we read this morning, there are seven reasons in those three verses we just read on why Christ is better. I want to take a little bit of time this morning and preach about the fact that Christ is better than the prophets. Number one, as we dive in, we see that he is the heir of all things. Look with me. At verse number two hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son and look right away it says whom he hath appointed heir of all things I say pastor why is jesus better than any of the prophets he's better because he was appointed heir of all things he is the only begotten son of god now we look in the room this morning those that are saved we are sons and daughters of god right and aren't you grateful to be a son or a daughter of the king of kings? I'm grateful for that today. But do you realize we were brought into the family through adoption? We were adopted. And I'm grateful that it's not like some people where an adopted child doesn't have all the privileges or the rights or the honors like the rest of the family. No, when, when the God adopted us, You became his child, and he loves you just like he loves Jesus, and everything Jesus has, we get to have. But what I want to remind you is he's the heir of all things, he is the only begotten Son of God. That has to do with his relationship to God. He is God. You see, this morning, we are not God. A lot of people think they are, a lot of people live like they are, but we are not God. He is God. And Jesus is co-equal with the Father. He has that right. Why is Jesus better than all the prophets? Because he's the heir of all things. He's been appointed by God, heir of all things. And since he's the Son and the only begotten Son of God, he's the heir. And aren't you grateful we get to be joint heirs with him? I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful. But this morning as we look at Jesus we see that he's the heir of all things. Number two, he's the creator of all things. Hey, why is Jesus better than any of the prophets? He created everything. Look at what it says there in that verse. It says, um, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Look at what it says, by whom also he made the world's. The Apostle Paul talks about him in Colossians 1, verse 16 and 17. For by him, by Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, whatever it is, all things, not some, all things, were created by him, by Jesus, and they were created for Jesus. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. We look there at the Bible and we see that Jesus created everything. He spoke this world into existence. John talks about it in the gospel. John 1 verse three, "All things were made by him. This talking about the Word, Jesus. And without him was not anything made that was made. You say, well, how, why is Jesus better? He's the heir of all things, and he is the creator of all things. He made it all. And interesting enough, you look at that word, and I study things out as I go through. As I go through for a message, so like these are the three verses. I will look and I'll see in Greek what these words mean, and different things like that. We would use, so, for God so loved the world, right? That word is the word cosmos. And that word is talking about here. The world. God loved the people of this world. If you notice, there's an S on the end of this one here. And it's got a different meaning. The word means, so the world, do you see the worlds there? Hath made the worlds. The word there is A-I-O-N-O-S, which means the ages. Which means that God, that Jesus not only made this world, but he made the universe. He brought space, time, and matter into existence. And all the galaxies and whatever is there, he made all of it. That's what it says right there. Say, why is Jesus better this morning? Because he's the heir of all things. And number two, he's the creator of the universe. Number three, why is Jesus better? He's the radiance of God's glory. The Bible says, who being the brightness of his glory. And think about when John saw Jesus in the book of Revelation. He saw the brightness of him. Think about on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Jesus, the radiance of him. He has God's glory on him. Think about in that Old Testament how, remember how Moses told the Lord, Lord, I want to see you. God says, you can't. You can't. Any man who sees me will die. That's what God said. The glory of God. Because we cannot stand before a glorious God in all of his glory. Do you realize today that up in heaven when we get there, there's no sun there? We need the sun to give us light. In heaven, there is no S-U-N. We have the S-O-N. He is the light. He is the radiance of God's glory. It says, who being the brightness of his glory. Why is Jesus better than the prophets today? He's better because he's the heir of all things. He's the creator of all things. He's the radiance of God's glory. And number four this morning, he's the exact representation of his father. The express image of his person the bible tells us here the word image is where we get the word character from it carries the idea that jesus is the exact representation of his father and when we look at this we can know the person of god through his son jesus and that's what the bible tells us john one eighteen tells us no man has seen god at any time the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Do you see that word declared? That word is translated to, um, to exergete. So I would exergete the scriptures. Declare or explain the scriptures to you. That's what a pastor does. Jesus explains God to us. That's what the Bible's telling us here. Remember... Jesus, before he died, had just got done telling his disciples that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. And the verse that's up on the screen is one verse short of what it needs to be. So you can put that up on the screen. I'm going to give you the verse before that. So John 14, verse 9. But we need verse 8 so that we get it in context here. And Philip said to the Lord, he basically said something like this. He's like, Lord, show us the Father. And it sufficeth it will satisfy us if you show us God. And this was Jesus' response. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? You see, he is the exact representation of the Father. There is not one characteristic of God that Jesus does not portray and show us. And he is, now let's think for a minute. We are to be Christians, right? That means we are to represent in this world, to this world we should represent God to this world, right? Do we do a great job of that? I heard someone say, absolutely, and then they said, not good. I'm like, like, oh, no. He said, absolutely, no, we don't do a very good job. The only one who is the absolute representative is Jesus Christ. Say, why is Jesus better? He's the heir of all things. He created all things. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of the Father. Why is Jesus better, number five, this morning? He's the sustainer of the universe. Look at what it says there. It says, upholding all things by the word of his power. Not only did Jesus create this world and the worlds and everything in it, he holds it all together. He is the sustainer of this universe. Consider with me for a few minutes what instant destruction would happen to the to, to earth if we just moved one degree either way. The earth did. The sun, the average temperature on the sun, they say, is 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. We get hot at about 85 degrees Fahrenheit. And some of you, 75 is more. I would say, I think the perfect temperature is right about 77. Doesn't that sound about perfect to me? I think that's about right. And that's the Lord's number, so it's good right there. But the sun is 12,000 degrees. If the earth, was any closer to the sun than what it is right now, we would burn up. If the earth was any further from the sun, we would freeze up and ice would be everywhere. Did you realize today that the earth is tilted at an angle of 23 degrees? You might not have known that. But the angle of 23 degrees that the earth is hanging there gives us four seasons. If it was tilted any other way or any other degree, we wouldn't have the seasons the way that we do. If it were not tilted this way, vapors from the ocean would move north and south and develop major continents of ice. If the moon wasn't the exact distance it is from earth right now, the, we would have floods all the time from the ocean. The waves. You see, everything is hanging there. And God is the one who holds it right where it's supposed to be. That's how awesome our God is. That's who Jesus is. And I know there are those out there that believe it all happened by chance. And billions upon billions of years ago, it just so happened the earth landed in the perfect spot... And it was tilted just at the right angle, and the moon was the perfect distance away, and just by chance, it all happened, and we're all here today because of chance. And there are morons and idiots in the world that believe that. And if they want to, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Fool says in his heart there is no God. That's what the Bible says. But I tend to believe that in the beginning, God created it all. And Jesus is the one who perfectly placed earth in the perfect spot. He's the one who angled it just right. He's the one who put the moon right where it's at. He designed it all. He put it all there. And today, he's holding it in place. And I don't care what we think we can do as humans. We're not going to change what God's going to do with this world. He is the sustainer of the universe. This morning, Jesus is better... Because he's the heir of all things. He created the universe. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of God. He's the sustainer. He holds everything in place. Number six, he's the redeemer of mankind. No prophet could say that. Man, do you know those prophets, they would get frustrated with the people. We didn't even talk about Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. How would you like to be known as the weeping prophet? That's not the prophet I would want to be. I wouldn't want to be in the pit where he was and all that sludge and mire. And in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, he got frustrated with the people. and He even quit a couple times. Then he started preaching again the very next few verses, but he quit a few times. But in the book of Jeremiah, God says, you know what? This isn't going to work. I've tried, and I try to help man, and I try to set them up and help them but they fail. I need to give them a new heart. That new heart is the only hope they have to get things right. And Jesus Christ came so that we could have that new heart. Look at what it says there in the verse. It says, when he had by himself purged our sins. You know what makes Jesus better than any prophet that's ever been here or anyone who's ever spoken a word? Because he died and he purged. He cleansed us from our sins. No one else could ever do that. He did that. He saved us. He did so much for us. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed, bought back with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, what were we redeemed by? The precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Why is Jesus better? Because he's the redeemer of mankind. And no one else could ever do it. Man, you look at so many other religions in the world, you have to do things to make your God happy. And in Christianity, in the Bible, your God came to make it so you could be with him. If that isn't love, I don't know what love is. Why is Jesus better this morning than all the prophets? Because he's the heir of all things. He created this universe. He's the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of God. He is the sustainer of the universe. He's the redeemer of mankind. And lastly, number seven this morning, he's the ruler of the universe. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. When Jesus went to the cross, he died for us. He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Do you know, sometimes we'll look at a phrase like this and we miss something very important. We see the right hand of the majesty on high. And yes, you lefties, we see the Jesus on the right hand, not the left. See that there? So just remember that my lefties in the room. And so it's okay, God, it's no mistake. Oh, he make a mistake when he makes you a lefty, but he's on the right hand of the majesty on high. But do you notice the fact that Jesus is sitting down? That's important. Did you know in the Old Testament temple, a lot of money and precious things went into building of it? Do you know one thing that they didn't have in the temple? There were no chairs. There were no chairs. said, so why were there no chairs? There was no time because they had to keep making sacrifices, and those sacrifices were never going to be enough, and they didn't have time to rest and sit down. The Bible tells us, and we'll get to it later on in the book of Hebrews, but Hebrews chapter ten, verse eleven and twelve. Look at what it says: and every priest standed daily ministering and often and offering. Oftentimes, the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. Those priests, year after year, century after century, priest after priest, they had to keep working and working and keep making sacrifices, then they would never take away sin. But this man, Jesus, after, look at what it says, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, one, just one, one sacrifice for sin, forever. Sat down on the right hand of God. Say, why is it important to note that Jesus Christ has sat down? Because he's done. Remember he sat on the cross? It's finished. What were all the, what were all the priests? And they were busy doing all these sacrifices, doing all these things. Jesus, where is he? At the right hand of God, seated waiting to come get his children. Now it is interesting to note, the one time it says he's standing is when he was receiving Stephen. You notice that? It's the one time it says he was standing. But every other time we see he's seated. This being seated shows us the fact that sin has been paid for. The penalty paid. Christ paid it once for all. And that's why this morning, those of you that think you can lose your salvation, you are mistaken this morning. Because if you look at that verse, this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sin forever. Forever. It doesn't change. Jesus is better because his sacrifice was enough. And we have so many people in this life that are trying to be good or get baptized, or do this, or do that. And that was your signal right there, baptism. You guys can go get ready. We're getting to the end here. I knew that, would. so you guys can go ahead and go get ready. And as we think about the fact baptism doesn't save you in a few minutes, we're going to have a few baptisms this morning. But those baptisms, they don't get you closer to heaven. They don't get you to God. Your faith in Jesus Christ, which he gives you, that's what gets you saved. It's what Jesus did, his sacrifice. Baptism simply signifies what Christ has done for us. And we get baptized after we get saved. See, why is Jesus better? Now, you guys don't have to take all the stuff off the baptistry. They just need to go get ready for baptism. You guys can leave all that alone so that we don't, they got to they gotta go get ready. You guys leave that alone so everyone else can pay attention to the service, then to the sermon. And then you guys, but you guys, great help. I love that. I love that they, isn't it awesome that they are willing to get up and help? And it might not have messed you up, but it was messing me up bad, so... We we have to there's like 5 or 6 of them. It's going to take them a while to get ready, so I don't want you to have to wait too long. That's why I let them go. But then we can get that ready after we're done in a couple minutes. We'll be good. But you guys are awesome. So thank you. You guys are awesome. And so but next time we'll know. Let's not do that, okay? Cuz you totally ruined everything I was saying in my in my head. In my head, I lost it. It's gone. That's one of my problems. It's in and out. Boom. It's gone. I'm grateful it was an easy message today that Jesus is better. He's better than my brain. That's a good thing, right? Jesus is better because he's the heir of all things. He's the creator of the universe. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of God. He's the sustainer of the universe. He's the redeemer of mankind. And he rules the universe. Jesus is better. Hey, Christian. Christian, I'm talking to you for a moment. What are you looking for in life? You've got all you need. You have Jesus. There's nothing better than Jesus. What are you searching for? Oh, Pastor, if I had this, I'll be happy. Or if I had that, I'll be. More. No, 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 no. Material things will never make you happy because you're just going to want more. You have Jesus. There's nothing better you can have in your life. And Christian, quit searching for it all. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? It's one of my favorite parables there. And I know people have different interpretations, and they can be wrong and I'll be right, or I'm wrong, whatever. He's a son, though. So a son is a son. And you cannot be a son of God till you get saved. I believe that this, the parable is about a son, and the son wants his inheritance and says, I'm going to go live my own life. I'm going to go do my own thing, and I'm going to be happier. He goes and lives his life and wastes everything. And he's eaten in the pig pen, a Jew eaten in the pig pen. And what came into his mind? My dad's hired servants have it better than I have it. I need to go back to my dad even if I'm a servant it's better than what I'm, where I'm at right now but you know that's what the world does to us the world looks so good and all the fun of this world but the world eats you up and doesn't care about you and will leave you for dead but Jesus never fails and it never gets any better and that son started going home and the dad when he saw him he ran out to him That's how our God is. He loves you today. And if you've been wandering from him, it's time to come home. It's time to come back home. It's time to quit living in the pig pen. It's time to quit living and thinking life's better out there. It's time to realize Jesus is better and come home. If you're here in the service today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you, there's nothing better in life than Jesus. He can be your sacrifice once for all, paid the price so, you can have eternal life. I mentioned last service, we used to every week have an invitation and have a time where people could pray, come forward if they want. We used to do that every week. A couple of years ago, I stopped it every week. So, why did you stop it? You didn't come anyway, so what does it matter? I think some people just like to have it because it's just the right thing to do. Show me in the Bible where it says it's the right thing to do, it's not there. I do believe that they are good and I think there are days to have them and days not to. And if the Lord leads me to have one, that's the day we have it. If the Lord doesn't, we keep moving on. But this morning, I'm going to have Caroline go to the piano this morning. And if you need to pray and talk to God, maybe you've wandered from him and uh, play softly and tenderly during the invitation for me this morning. If you've wandered from God, pray your seat and just talk to him. Come home. If you're not saved, get that settled. If you want to come in the front, pray in the front, pray your seat. There's no right or wrong with that. But in this passage, we see the fact that Christ is better. And this was written to Christians. I think some that were wandering around. So let's all bow our head and close our eyes. Father.